Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth from Madrona Financial and CPAs, where we give you the straight talk and honest answers you need to reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade, and I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. How you doing, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to hear that, Brian, as always. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Well, this is the first show of September, and of course, the unofficial end of summer Labor Day is behind us. Traditionally, are the summer months the slower months for the stock market? I've heard this saying about selling in May and then going away for the rest of the year. Does this have any merit to it, and is the stock market basically cyclical? Not in my opinion does it have any merit. Uh, There's a lot of people, you know, it'd be really easy if you could just say invest in the market every month but October. I've heard that one before. Uh That October, oh, don't do that. And then I read that article once, oh, get out of the market. And I think it was the biggest uh, month ever was in October. (laughs) You know, it's just like that. Uh, It kind of is a rule until it isn't uh, like anything. You can't do your your stock market investing based on a couple of stats. It happened a couple times. You know, I, I, I watched baseball games or whatever, and they'll say, well, these two teams have met three times in the past, and uh, one team won all three games. Mm-hmm. Well, then you look and see when they were. They're in the 1940, 1950, and 1960. <laughs> right. Well, I'm pretty sure those people aren't, you know, this is not that game. It's not that team, so who cares? It's a totally different set of circumstances. But you can do anything with statistics. We talked about my favorite college textbook, How to Lie with Statistic. I, I can make any statistics. I can make October a great month. I can make mm-hmm. it a bad month. I can I can do anything with that the kind of stat. If stock market investing was that easy, you know, just invest in, you know, up until May and then make sure you short the market in October, okay, everybody do it. But it's not that easy. It, it, that's really not how it works. For those people who do do it themselves and they use these apps on their phone, they invest with some of the discount companies. Are there really any hard and fast rules do you think that you should follow if you want to be successful? Uh, well, I probably wouldn't be. Uh, I watched one of those commercials. It really kind of got under my craw on that one. The guy was just having this great old time ignoring his kid's soccer game while he was trying to trade stocks on, on some <laughs> E-Trade account right. using his phone. And just uh, I was like, um, maybe put the phone down, watch your kid's soccer game yeah. instead. I don't know. But yeah, I thought that was ridiculous. Certainly, you know, the stock markets, a lot of the reason for the volatility is really emotions. There's so many, many any emotional investors. Uh, You feel good, you buy. You feel bad, you sell. You're supposed to do the opposite, generally. And so we see people are always asking me, well, what's the market going to do? I'm like, well, I really can't even tell you what it's going to do tomorrow. How am I going to tell you what it's going to do in a week or a Mm -hmm. month? I really don't know. Because in the short term, I feel like the stock market is really whipsawed by emotions and headlines and, and so forth. You know, oh, Chairman Powell raised interest rates, so the tech market and, and Bitcoin are hurting. And it's like, what, what does that got to do with how many iPhones Apple sells? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that happens. So it's, it's not even correlated, but people freak out and they just get this idea, ooh, I better sell today. Well, 
you know, long-term, fundamentals matter. Long-term, profits matter, growth of profits, uh, innovation, that kind of thing. So long-term, the tech stocks could be really, really good. Whereas in short-term, people get spooked, they sell it, they try and time it and, and so forth. And you really can't do any analysis on the short-term, I don't think, because of the emotional aspect. But long-term emotions kind of even out and fundamentals are more important. We've had these minor rallies where the market goes up, and I've heard about Santa rallies. But in my experience with the stock market and what I've learned from you is that the stock market doesn't reflect what is happening right now. Stock market is really a forward-looking indicator. Is that right? That's exactly right. I mean, a lot of people uh, invest emotionally in the short term, not realizing that, well, that's already been factored in. All the information you have, everybody else have already had, and they've already reacted to it. So it's already factored in. Most people, you know, institutional investors, are looking at six months down the road or, or whatever it is. It's certainly a forward-looking indicator. It's not what's happening today. It's what's going to happen in the future to come. Now, most of our clients are very long-term investors, of course, and so we're not as concerned about a month from today or three months from today. We're more concerned about three years from today or five years from today or whatever. Longer-term investing strategy is a different animal. Uh, you're going to have stuff that you're going to say, well, it, it may be volatile from time to time, but overall, I think it will do the best in the in the long term, and that's what we're going to stick with. So if it is stock market investing, it's the kind of money that we're, we're investing for a longer term. We're not using that money to provide our cash flow. That's not its purpose. Its purpose is different. Its purpose is a growth part of our portfolio as opposed to the secure part or the cash flow part. Brian, if people do go ahead and sell in May, then go away, they've got this cash that they've made from their investments in the market. Where do they typically put this cash? Does it all just go into cash or cash equivalents, safe investments? I really don't know because we don't do that. But yeah, I, I would suspect that they would have it in cash. And then and then what happens with market timers very often is uh, we have a rally in the summer and they're going, uh-oh, now what? Do I wait for the market to drop? The market's, you know, I'll go through an example here. The market's been up five years in a row and I heard uh, sell in May and go away. So I sold all my stuff. And I went to cash. And so I'm going to wait for the market to drop. I always hear that. I'm going to wait for the market to drop and then I'm going to buy. Okay, let's say you did that after the last big drop was 2008. You're in it for five years. It's now 2013. You say, I'm going to get, I'm smart. I'm going to go to cash. I'm going to get out of the market. The Dow is 10,000 or it's been, you know, 15, whatever it was. And I'm going to get out. And then, oops, we had another 10-year bull market where it went up, 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 up. It never went down again. It didn't drop to those levels back then. So now they're going, oh, gosh, a year went by or two years or three years. I've been in cash. The market's going up. I missed all of that. Uh, now what? Do I think it's still going to drop? You know, now now you're in a quandary. Now you don't know what to do. I've, I've talked to people like this. Yeah, I, got, I put into cash. I thought it was going to drop. And yeah, I really didn't do that for eight years or whatever. It just went up, up, up. It doubled. I'm sitting here with no gains. Mm -hmm. So that's the risk of that kind of approach. And certainly, you know, when I'm talking to my clients, you know, they're coming in going, I had a, a meeting. Mm -hmm. In fact, they came in. They said, well, you know, I, I don't really follow this stuff all that much, but I don't notice that we're, we should be worried about it. I, I know the markets are, are down and all that stuff. I said, well, as you recall, we talked about this in years past when we set up your accounts. 
You have income annuity for uh, cash flow for life. You have one for uh, accumulation. You have private non-traded real estate investment trusts that's done exceedingly well. You had a Delaware statutory trust from your rental and it went full cycle. It went. It happened to go up in value quite a bit. You did another DST from that exchange and now that one is not showing the appraised amounts. It's showing your costs, but I know I happen to know that apartment investments tend to be way up because of inflation. Rents have gone up, and so uh, they're up too. So when we look at the overall portfolio, we actually computed that he was up year-to-date mm-hmm. in a market that's down. He's like, it almost seems too good to be true. And I said, well, no, we're just doing proper diversification using all the tools in the toolbox, and you know, and here we are. And so we had a great conversation about that, about the purpose of money, what it's for, uh, uh, all that kind of thing. So it was a really good meeting, but I'm appreciative that I don't have to just put all of my clients' money in the stock market and explain why their accounts are <laughs> down 10, 20, 30% and, and why they're not up or, or just stocks and bonds. And, you know, oh, well, yeah, your stock market's down 25%, but at least your bonds are n- down a little bit less than 25% or whatever those conversations must be. But I'm, I'm glad we have all the tools in the toolbox to pick from. So that client wasn't even mildly annoyed. I mean, they really weren't worried about it because, you know, if the stock market goes down, it doesn't affect their ability to go ahead and live. In a portfolio, and when you're doing a retirement portfolio, I mean, is there a place for something as risky as the stock market? Absolutely. Because as we talk about the the different things we want from our investments, growth, security, liquidity, cash flow, and income tax savings, no one investment does all five of those. And most investments have two of those attributes. So growth, maxing out growth, you have to have risk. So growth and security are not usually something that one investment does both of. And when I say growth, I mean substantial potential growth. All investments can grow in value, but just because you have a a money market paying a half of 1%, it's growing half of 1%, but I don't call that a growth asset, of course. So the ones that can max out growth in the right market conditions, stock market fits that bill. So I think that there's a place for that. Now, for somebody that's younger, uh, that place might be 100% of the portfolio. Mm -hmm. I had a meeting uh, yesterday with an investor, and she is in great health and all that, but she's 98. Wow. Wow. And so very sharp, but we determined to not put additional money in the stock market. Wouldn't Uh, think. Yeah. So, but uh, certainly with my new retirees, there's going to be a percentage that makes sense in the growth aspect. And that growth part of the portfolio is a part we're not going to touch for cash flow. We're not going to sell. We're going to hold long term with the belief that stock market will be higher in the future than it is today. And so we don't mind investing in it as long as we're not pulling out of it and subjecting ourselves to sequence of return risk. We're fine. So whatever that percentage is, is it 30%? Is it 50%? Is it 70%? Whatever that percentage is for that person, absolutely stocks have an important component in investment portfolio. So there is no hard and fast rule insofar as age goes as to when you should ease out of the stock market. As you said, you had a client who was 98. I remember you telling me about a client who was up there in their 90s, and she was a competitive swimmer because she just had these genetics on her side. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, uh, yeah, she was in great shape. And it doesn't mean that these people don't have any stocks either, because at that age, you're actually investing generationally. Right. So we talked about that because she knows she's not going to spend any of the money that's in her investment accounts. She had plenty of cash 
outside of that. And so I mentioned to her and her daughter that was there that, yeah, this is generational money. So I would give the same advice to both of them if it was their money, uh, whether they're, you know, 98 or or 68, it made sense to have that. And in this case, sometimes older people that have stock market, you know, we wouldn't sell it because there's big gains. Same thing with real estate. There's big gains in it, and you don't want to trigger those capital gains and lose the availability of the step-up in basis. So that tax savings could be a big consideration. So maybe uh, if I had somebody older like that, I might look at their portfolio and go, well, you have a lot of stocks, but this is multi-generational money. Someone's going inherited this younger and uh, you have a big gain if we sell it. So why don't we just hang on to it even though you're older and I wouldn't buy that if I had cash, but since you're already in it and has gains embedded in it, we're going to keep that. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs about the market. Does this sound familiar? Have you ever asked yourself these questions? I'm not sure when or how I can retire comfortably. I'm stuck because I don't want to pay the big tax bill. The market negatively affects my mood. Or I don't know the right questions to ask. Well, you can get your answers as to how deep your financial plan is rooted to answer those questions. All you got to do is go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button. It'll only take you a few moments to answer a couple of simple questions. Then you'll be set up to talk with an advisor at Madrona Financial to get your particular questions asked and to find out just how deep your financial roots are. Once again, it's madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button. Growing Your Wealth will be right back with even more ways to help sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about clearing the fog on the annuity debate. And Brian, you know there are a lot of financial planning tools out there for people that a lot of people really don't understand. They're subject to hearing the hype about these things. And of course, everyone has an opinion, it seems like, on annuities, whether they're founded in any truth or not. So let's dive into annuities in this particular section for those people who do not know the ins and outs of annuities. First of all, Let's start at the ground level here. Basically, an annuity is just a payment that you get on a monthly basis. I mean, it's sort of like Social Security or a pension. I don't hate my Social Security. No, no. And, and yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about all kinds of investments. So before we, we dive into that, I kind of want to talk about that because I talk to people about bonds, which is the biggest area of the market, as people that listen to this show know. And I have very few clients that understand how bonds work. You know, they, okay, a bond, uh, you know, what is it and how does it work? And why would I lose money if interest rates go up? Isn't that a good thing if you're getting paid interest on bonds? And and so we have these discussions about, well, the bond you have isn't as, as good as a new one because new ones are paying more. Mm-hmm than yours does. So when you sell yours, because the thing is most people don't hold bonds until their maturity because they're very long holds sometimes. And so they want to sell it and you have to sell it at a discount or if rates are dropping, you sell it at a premium. And so they don't understand bonds. Stock market, probably you know, a lot of people do understand stock market to some degree. They know it's volatile, but they believe it goes up over time generally. A broad market. They really don't understand real estate because they'll say, well, isn't the real estate market going down? I'll say, you're talking about residential real estate right, right. in pretty medium or upper priced homes. Our investments in real estate is 
basically never in that. That's not what we're invest in is, is principal residences, uh, owner-occupied principal residences. And that's what most people equate real estate to. When we invest in real estate through our office, we're, we're usually investing in apartment buildings or self-storage or industrial parks and, and the like. So that's a completely different kind of real estate. When it comes to annuities, well, I, I don't understand annuities. I don't know if I like them and probably don't know much about them. Now, annuities, the word annuity, as you mentioned, Jeff, uh, means a series of payments mm-hmm. over lifetime, usually, right. um, like a pension. But that's not even what we're talking about necessarily with annuities. When we talk about annuities, we're just talking about life insurance products, meaning that people can invest in products on Wall Street. That's the stock and bond market. You can invest in commodities. You can invest in real estate. Or you can invest in investments put together by insurance companies. Wall Street investments tend to, you know, I mentioned earlier that every investment has different attributes. And the strongest attributes of most Wall Street investments is growth potential and liquidity. And the strongest attribute of insurance company products tends to be security and cash flow. So I had the four components, growth, liquidity, security, and cash flow. Wall Street does two quite well generally, and the insurance industry does the other two quite well. And so to put together a proper portfolio, I got to look at both areas so I can cover ground in the four things that I want. I left out tax savings, which, by the way, is not a Wall Street thing. That can be in the real estate area with the DSTs or it can be in the annuity area with a life insurance. Well, the umbrella, you know, when you look at the umbrella for annuities, there are immediate annuities, there are deferred annuities, and then under each of those would be fixed, fixed index, and also variable annuities. And, you know, as you said, these are very misunderstood financial products. So why do some people hate annuities? Is it because they don't sell them? Is it because they don't understand them? Or maybe they just don't agree with the principle? Yeah, no, it's generally people, anybody I've heard say, I don't I don't really like annuities, couldn't give me 12 seconds of explanation of what an annuity is. So, you know, it's you got to take that with a grain of salt. It, it was marketing. It's always marketing. And the outfit out there that claims to be fiduciaries and doesn't give tax advice and all this stuff and doesn't sell all the different products, right away I, I say, how, how can you be after my best interest if you're, you're, you only use a couple of things and that's all you're going to sell? and you don't sell everything that's out there, how could you actually be looking out for my best interest? And you can't really give me any advice on the things that are really important to me. That's ridiculous. I'm just, just follow the money. You hate annuities because you don't sell them. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. Now, annuities aren't always appropriate in every situation, but as we've talked about on this show before, do you hate your Social Security, Jeff? <laughs> no, not at all. Well, what if your Social Security could go up in, in, in payment over your lifetime? I love uh, which that. It does. Oh, okay, you like that? Called a cola. Yeah, I love uh, that aspect. What if Social Security paid a death benefit to your spouse oh, if you died prematurely? Be, that'd be perfect, yeah. Oh, that'd be good, too. Mm-hmm. What if you needed money? You can pull money. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> things in new. Why would somebody hate this? I guarantee lifetime cash flow increasing for life with a death benefit if I die prematurely. That by itself is not a bad thing. Why would you hate that? You wouldn't if you knew what that was. You just wouldn't. Would it be the right thing for you? I don't know. I haven't met you yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know who's listening to me right now. But is that a bad thing for everybody? No. Would you like it if your parents had bought an annuity way back when that had increasing guaranteed lifetime cash flow and your parents are living a very long life? Would that be a bad thing? 
Probably not. I would think that'd be a very mm-hmm. good thing. Uh, the people that I know that are receiving those checks, right. I've never had anybody come to me, gosh darn it, I hate these checks coming in. <laughs> I have to go put it in the bank every month. Yeah. It's such a bother. I have not heard that yet. So why would somebody say I hate annuities? Because they were told that mm-hmm. and they've been pulling these ads up. I, I'm, I'm on the internet. I see those ads all the time. Let me tell you the 10 reasons why you should hate annuities too. That's ridiculous. That is manipulative. That is wrong. Any more than anybody should say, I hate the stock market, and you should too. Mm-hmm. That's manipulative. That person doesn't sell the stock market. So the people that hate annuities sell the stock market. The people that hate the stock market sell annuities. And so to say that an investment is all bad or all good is ridiculous. That's manipulative. That's uh, It's a lying it's not accurate. And so follow the money. Uh, when people are making statements like that and they're 100% one way or the other, then they are, they're being manipulative. And I, it just drives me nuts to see that. Brian, my daughter-in-law, who is in her 30s, she puts up the cross sign and says, don't even talk to me about annuities. She does not like annuities whatsoever. I think that they're mostly in the market. The question is, is there an ideal age to invest in annuities? Can you be too young? And certainly, can you be too old? Um, Yeah, I would say that for younger people, I'm, I'm certainly more interested in growth than I am security. And we'll see how cash flow plays out. So uh, in the annuity world, I, I wouldn't be selling those to younger people. I mm-hmm. expect them to want to have more growth assets, growth assets being real estate and stock market. There comes a time when the exception there would be life insurance as an asset. Uh, you want to don't want to start that too late in life because you may not qualify physically. And so if you want to start that in your 40s or 50s, great. That's a, probably a really good time to start life insurance as an asset that you can pull tax-free cash flow monthly tax-free cash flow out in your retirement years what you know who doesn't want that right uh, oh monthly checks tax-free mm-hmm. <laughs> when i'm not working wow. sign me up yeah. you know and so that can be a really great thing to invest in but you're right jeff there there's a time for everything uh, i think stock market early in life and real estate early in life is a very very good mm-hmm. idea uh, I think annuities, pre-retirement, and certainly life insurance prior to that can be a very good idea as a pension substitute or as just safe money because your objectives change from your 30s to your 60s to your 90s, whatever. They, they change over time. And so as you get older, you tend to want to have more security and more cash flow. I mean, absolutely. You've already made your money. You had enough growth. You have enough liquidity. So what do you want when you're older and you're not working anymore? Security and cash flow. Mm -hmm. And what does the stock market not do real well? Security and cash flow. (laughs) So I'm not saying don't have it, but don't have 100% of it when you're 98 years old, you know, coming (laughs) to see me. That's not where I'd put your money. But even at that age, you can't even buy an annuity anymore. Mm -hmm. So uh, everything has its time. Everything has its place and its percentages. It's something that everybody, you know, that's what a good financial advisor will do. They'll work with you to figure out the mix of uh, those are just a few of the products. There's lots of things that, that we would mix in there potentially. And if you don't sell them all, 
then how can you possibly be after my best interest? I just don't get it. I wrote an article in Kippinger about this. Uh, when is a fiduciary actually being a fiduciary? We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs about annuities. Brian, we've talked about a lot of the positive aspects of annuities, but what are some of the reasons why someone would not do an annuity? What are the risks? Yeah, well, one of the reasons is, like I mentioned before, you're, you're giving up uh, some growth potential that you could have in real estate and stocks or investing your business or investing in your education. So if you're earlier in life, I would prefer you invest in your education, your skill set, your first house, and then look into maybe other real estate and stock market uh, within your retirement account, your 401k, whatever. And so I think that would be a great way to invest. I wouldn't recommend the annuity at that point in your life because when you have time on your side, I think that's a, a really good thing. Now, annuities are not as liquid as other investments. I mentioned stock market uh, investments are liquid. You could buy them on Monday and sell them on Friday. You can't do that with an annuity without mm-hmm. paying a big surrender fee. So they aren't liquid. So they can't grow as much. So they're not as liquid. That's what uh, Wall Street products are for. And so those are those are two of the, the big reasons. You probably wouldn't buy a, a lifetime annuity if you didn't think you had long life, longevity. And the thing is about them, what if I die prematurely? Well, actually, the part that you haven't taken out plus the earnings goes to your heirs. So it doesn't go to the insurance company. A lot of people think that. What if I buy an annuity and buy a truck? Well, then the insurance company is going to pay your heirs, your spouse, your beneficiaries, whoever you've listed there. And so you don't lose it. It's not like a pension. A pension, you know, if it's single life pension and you get hit by a bus, that's it. There's nothing left Mm -hmm. for your heirs. But that's not the case with annuities. We're talking about annuities with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Well, the summer is almost behind us here, and pretty soon we're going to start getting the rain. We're going to get the winds, and you know what that means. There are going to be trees lying over on their sides. And the next time you pass one of those, take a look at the roots. If the roots are really shallow, well, there's a good reason why that mighty tree fell over on its side. Same can be true for your financial portfolio when a financial storm hits. Make sure your financial roots are deep enough. Take our rooted wealth analysis at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. Click on the Get Started button. Just answer a couple of questions there. It'll only take you actually less than a minute to answer those questions. And you will talk with an advisor who will check your financial roots to see if they are deep enough. Couldn't be easier. Madronafinancial.com. Click on the Get Started button. Want more strategies that can help support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years? Well, stick around. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth. Big trees fall when storms hit because they don't have deep enough roots. The same goes with your finances. Your quality of life depends on how deep your financial roots are today, tomorrow, and for years to come. If you want to learn how to design your retirement to last 30 plus years, then grab your copy of 7 Steps to a Successful Retirement by calling Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more of Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about Jerome Powell's uh, recent meeting in Wyoming. That's right, Brian. It was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And just recently, the Fed Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell talked of a willingness to, quote, inflict pain on households and businesses in an unusually blunt Jackson Hole speech that hinted at a 70s-style inflation debacle. I guess he's been raising interest rates a few basis points here, a few basis points there, and uh, it really hasn't curbed inflation. Maybe have caused inflation to peak, but it's really not doing too much. And from what I get from that conversation, Brian, and I want your read on it as well 
too, that he says, if this doesn't work, we're going to have to just pull out all the stops, pull the trigger, and it's going to be painful. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, I know they select their words very, very carefully, very carefully. And so for him to come out and say, we're going to inflict pain. Pain. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Mr. T. Uh, yeah. Well, it was some movie uh, he had. Which, oh, yeah. Well, no. Uh, what's your prediction? My prediction? Pain. <laughs> so he was trying to do a Mr. T. That was from some Rocky one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think sure. he was trying to do that. And he had a purpose to that. There's always a purpose behind that. And the only thing I could, I could come up with, well, why would he want the markets to go down a thousand, two thousand points or more and uh, and people be worried about everything and, and all that stuff. And, and the thing that I came up with is, okay, let me ask you, Jeff, when they first came out, they said they just raised the, the overnight banking uh, rate, 75 basis points. Uh, did you change anything that day? I personally didn't, but whatever. Okay, well, you and about 300 million other okay. Americans probably didn't do anything mm-hmm. different. And, and, you know, we don't really notice that. And, of course, the subset of the population that was trying to buy their first house, yeah. they probably noticed it because yep. all of a sudden they, they well, we can afford 3000 a month, and now that same house they want to buy is you know 4500 a month. They're going, right. wait a second, <laughs> can't afford it anymore. So that they definitely noticed it and changed their behavior. They have to continue to rent. But uh, when you think about it, it's like, well, these interest rate changes don't necessarily impact a lot of people directly. We don't notice that. So how do you get the desired behavioral modification to happen. I got an idea. I can make it go faster. I'll be like a parent. Mm -hmm. If you do X, there's going to be a lot of pain in this family. (laughs) And it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. So it kind of scares people ahead of time before the interest rates can really adjust and and affect their lives directly that you'd even notice, I believe, and this is just my opinion, I believe that he's saying this so that there's going to be a modification before you're really forced to modify them, before you even notice anything. You just know, oh, gosh, there's going to be pain. We better not go on that trip. We better not spend that money. I better not buy that car. I better not spend anything. I better save up. This This is going to be bad. And now people are going... Oh, we're we're in for some bad times, and and to bring up the seventies, I mean, oh my gosh, they were mm-hmm. terrible. So, oh, we better hunker down and and not spend money. And if you're not spending money, then you don't have inflation, right? Uh, because you know people have to lower their prices, sell their goods and services. So it almost to me was a psychological ploy to make sure you know before the actual dollars you noticed it in your pocketbook to just scare you with with the words. Yeah, it sounds like chairman. Powell with his words, it sounds like he sort of wants us to get into a recession so we can get this over. Do you think that that is what his intention is? And will a recession right the ship necessarily this time? Well, yeah, you're probably accurate that he wants us in a recession, but they, you, you think they'd ever say that out loud? No. Oh, gosh, no. Oh, gosh, no. We, we've we already redefined what recession even is. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, that's not a recession. Well, it used to be. <laughs> a year ago, we, that, that's what it was. And, and now we're saying, well, we're going to slow down the economy and, and do all this stuff, but no, it's not going to be a recession. And we have zero inflation. No, you don't. Uh, it's it's just hovering at 8 9%, but it's not zero. 
eight and nine is not zero. We talked about that in a previous show, how that's not accurate. And so they're playing this dance right now. And yeah, the economy's got to slow down for, you know, we have two problems. You know, you get back to basic economics. Why do we have inflation? It's always supply and demand. Uh, the supply of goods and services has dropped, has lowered, and the demand has not changed. So the demand is still high and the supply is low. That makes prices go up. That's just what it does. So not only do we have supply chain you know, interruptions from COVID and, and all of that, but I see the biggest problem being the labor market. I'm still, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty well-read guy, mm-hmm. pretty smart guy, and understand a lot of stuff in the financial world. I still can't figure out what people are doing. They used to go to work and have jobs, right. and now you know nobody can find uh, skilled labor anymore or even unskilled labor. And what are people doing? that we used to have people that would you know fill up jobs and so forth and now we don't and so I don't, I don't know where all these people went I I'm still scratching my head on that one I talk about it with friends and family and they're like I don't I don't know either and, and right. it seems like the younger generation does do a lot of job skipping around uh, yeah more than they ever have before and and I, I, we're seeing that, and I don't know if I sound like an old fogey or what, but uh, maybe I do. But I certainly see that uh, happening more and more. So I almost feel like we have to fix the labor market as as much as we have to to unhinge the uh, the supply chain. So Brian, that seems to be counter what a recession should produce. Yeah, you know, typically when you have a recession, you're thinking, oh, people must be losing their jobs. So that's what's really curious about this one, too, is that, yeah, we have uh, high inflation, we have recession or and that kind of thing, and we're really trying to slow down the economy. At the same time, we have all these people trying to hire people. How do you have a recession when uh, employers can't even find employees uh, to fill the positions they have? So it's it's kind of counterintuitive what we have going on right now. This does not look like a recession, but the numbers would, would indicate it is. And so I, I, I suspect that, as I just mentioned, that there's a big ripple effect from the lack of labor uh, available, lack of skilled labor especially. You think about all the, the skilled labor positions that are out there, you know, whether it's shortage of pilots, shortage of, of nurses, shortage of, of all the skilled labor out there. And then <laughs> then, the, then they pass something say we're going to hire 87,000 uh, skilled auditors. <laughs> no, you're not. They the don't IRS, exist. Yeah, sure. That's such a, <laughs> that's, that's a throw money at a problem that ain't, right. ain't going to get fixed by throwing money at a problem. But they'll figure that out. I I wish they'd have just asked me and save a lot of billions of dollars mm-hmm. on that because there are not 87,000 skilled auditors out there looking for a job that don't have one. Pretty sure about that. Yeah. Uh, and that's not something you can learn in a, in a five-week training course. I'm pretty also sure about that since I own a CPA firm. But uh, that's off topic. But yeah, I just see this labor issue. Just It's going to be around for quite a while because you can't just uh, invent a whole bunch of skilled workers out of nothing. Well, as Powell said, the demand Demand for workers outstrips the supply. However, I've read in recent months or recent uh, even weeks and days that a lot of corporations are looking at layoffs. So on one hand, we don't have enough workers. And on the other hand, we have too many workers. What do you make of that? That's an interesting one because, uh, as, as I, uh, you mentioned that, and that is true, that a lot of the bigger companies are going, well, we don't really need all these people. And uh, a lot of them didn't want to come into the office anymore, so they, they have some issues that way. Conversely, small business, I see everywhere I go, 
they're hiring. They're trying to find people. Mm-hmm. I just dropped my car off. And, well, it's going to be a while. I, I can't find mechanics. Right. And I get it. Or, gee, we're not going to be open at the restaurant. I can't find people to work or to serve or whatever to show up. Yeah, I get that, too. So I, I see small businesses across the board looking for, for people that are, are able to do the job, especially in the skilled areas. And so what's happening in that realm is they're super busy. And when that happens, eventually they raise prices because they can. And it's not worth it to them to just work themselves to death. So it used to be, all right, I was going to charge you you know, $500 to go through your car. Now it's going to be $800. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I have to pay it because I couldn't find anybody else that even take my car in. Right. If I want my car, I got to pay the 800 Well, it might be a grand. All right, I'll pay a grand. I, I, I don't have a choice. So prices rise. And what, what happens when prices rise? Inflation. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what they call it. And so the, the lack of labor is going to cause inflation, I think, more from the hundred you know, millions of small business or whatever the number is. There's a lot of small business. Most people work at small business, not for the big companies. So, yeah, we're seeing some, some drop in labor in the big companies. But I think it's more than being absorbed by smaller companies. Well, Brian, we have a lot of tools in the toolbox here at Madrona Financial. But the one tool that we do not have is a crystal ball. We can't tell the future. We can't predict accurately when this whole thing is going to be over with. However, we can look back at the 80s. We can look at those early inflationary times. How long did it take us to get out of those inflationary times and get into what some of the people out in the country call high cotton again? Yeah, that was, that was interesting times because uh, I was coming out of college, going through college and coming out, and I saw the whole the whole flip from there. Uh, you know, I remember uh, as I shared on the show, my berry picking days, put money in the bank, I get twelve percent mm-hmm. interest on my savings account, eighteen percent mortgages, all of that stuff, and then graduated from university and went to work as a CPA firm, and and then somebody named Ronald Reagan got put into office. Yeah. And, and he believed in something called supply-side economics, and and uh, we saw massive tax cuts and all of that. And we came out of stagflation from the Jimmy Carter years and went into a whole different kind of economy of growth and, and, and all of that, which was timing was very interesting on that. It, it happened when taxes were cut, and it did apparently worked. And so we went through this this really good period of time that lasts quite a while. And, and so, yeah, you see these ebbs and flows. Uh, usually I, I say the politicians don't have that much say over the economy, but of late they have more because of the trillions of dollars they pumped in uh, in the last couple of years that you know, help cause inflation. Uh, it just did. And so now I'm seeing our political system have a lot more influence over the economy than I've seen in, in the last couple decades. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs about inflation and Fed Chair Powell and his actions to try to curb inflation. One of the ways that you can combat inflation or at least make sure that it doesn't affect you too much is having deep financial roots. If you're not sure how deep your financial roots are, go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button. There's a brief quiz there. Take that quiz and someone will get in touch with you. You can chat with a financial advisor from Madrona Financial to make sure your financial roots Roots are deep enough. Once again, it's madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button. It does not cost you a dime to do that. Madronafinancial.com. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? 
You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial and CPAs at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now back to more Growing Your Wealth. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we'll be talking about the State of the Union at Madrona Financial. And Brian, you and I have been doing this radio show. We have been privileged to be on these radio stations now for more than seven years. It's almost eight years, actually. And in that time, last night, we were talking a little bit about the evolution of Madrona Financial and the fact that seven and a half years ago, this was uh, not an infant company, but it was a, you know, a growing company. It was more of a toddler company. Today, it is a full-grown adult. And the one thing that impresses me about Madrona Financial, Brian, and I want to ask you by design, Madrona Financial continues to grow and evolve. You're just not satisfied with leaving things the way they are. No, I'm not. Yeah, I've, I've had a number of people come to me and say, well, aren't you going to retire sometime soon? And, and aren't you just going to, can't you just sell the company and walk away in the sunset? And I was like, oh, my gosh, that sounds like a terrible thing. Right. What would I do? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I sure, I, there's other things I like to do, but that just sounds horrible. And, and I, I no, I don't want to do that. And so what's interesting about small businesses is there, there's kind of a, a tipping point where they're small and you do everything. And it's really hard. And and you think, well, if I grow, I got to work even harder. And to some degree, you do to a point. But if you can get it to uh, across that barrier to where you can say, you know what, I can hire maybe somebody for HR. I Mm -hmm. can hire out compliance. I can hire out uh, many different things, technology questions, software, uh, all that. And you start hiring that stuff out. You actually can cut your hours down as you grow because you got big enough to hire that stuff out. So in the past, I mean, Madrona Financial was not a one-man band. I mean, you were handling a lot of the investment side of it. Bob Bauer, of course, was handling the uh, CPA side of things. And of course, you're a CPA as well, too. So you weren't exactly a one-man band, either one of you. But today, Madrona Financial has quite a number of employees who specialize in different areas. Yeah, I actually was a one man. You know, it was Bob and I were doing all the CPA work. Uh, when I came to work for him, he, you know, it was his firm, and and I bought in three years after that, and and he had all the clients, and I I hardly had any. And uh, when I came on board here, uh, I think he had five hundred, I had thirty, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I was a good hard worker, so I did that. And time went by, you know, I, I started getting my own clients and so forth, and then we had a pretty good split between the two of us, working hard as CPAs. And, and that was fine. And we were growing and a- adding people to the staff. And then we started uh, Madrona Financial in uh, 1999. And it was my job to, to grow that part of the firm and, and do less CPA work. And Bob took on more as a result. And so that's where we went from there. And it was a one-man show. I did everything. I did the billing. I did the paperwork, mm-hmm. uh, client applications. I did all the meetings, of course, made all the investment decisions, everything. And there wasn't a lot of resources available. I couldn't just go on Google to look anything up because it was 1999 right. and there was no Google. And so I couldn't look stuff up. Uh, it was really difficult, but persevered through that and did everything. And then eventually I was able to hire you know, assistants to help with billing or, or help fill out paperwork and that kind of thing. But then as time went by, we, as I mentioned, we got bigger and started adding advisors with experience. And now now we're up to, to eight advisors mm-hmm. uh, that that are working uh, with clients. And we have an investment committee and an annuity committee, compliance people. We have uh, full-time technology. We have uh, lots of 
uh, back office support that are, are doing operations and forms. We've got a full-time person on the DST private non-trader REIT space. And in fact, he's going to uh, likely be on the next uh, week's show. We're right. working that out. And so we have all these specialties and committees and groups of people. And, and we have a chief operating officer and uh, brought our marketing in-house and mm-hmm. interns and, and all this different kind of stuff. So I no longer have to do all of that heavy lifting things and, and make all the decisions about insurance that, that we have to have and technology and all that different stuff that HR, I, I don't like HR. <laughs> so, um, yeah, nobody does really. No. And so once I got that off my plate, it was like, wow, I, I got a second wind here. I, I could do this for a long, long time because I'm doing the things that I've always thought that were my highest and best use. Uh, speaking, writing, recording, and complex uh, financial right. planning. And then my the staff of uh, just on the Madrona side of about 15 people can do all the heavy lifting on, on all the rest of the business. And I might point out, too, that Bob Bauer still comes to work every day after all these years, Monday through Friday. I'm in the office, and I see Bob every day. That is commitment. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial about the evolution of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, as we said back in the beginning, you weren't exactly a one-man band, but you did do everything. To a certain extent, I guess you were, but today, with all the advisors that you have and all the CPAs that you have on staff, does that better allow you to hyper-focus on your clients and their needs when you don't have to do everything and you don't have to be chief cook and bottle washer? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we have training sessions that last for days uh, every every couple of months where we're all getting on the same page. What are our processes? What are our investments? The investment committee, I'm on that one, of course. And, and then we're picking the different things, having conversations with them, having representatives from different investments coming to our area to to get educated on them. It's been really great to expand all of that and get everybody's input uh, relative to that so we can make better decisions. Uh, certainly, I have a lot more meetings with my advisors and so forth now that you know we can do Zoom meetings for, for anything. And uh, even my advisors that are out of state, which we now have, can Zoom in to uh, meetings that, that we're having uh, internally here too. Boy, it's so much has happened to allow that, and and just again having other people do the stuff. I you know the bottle washing, as you mentioned, <laughs> yeah. cook and bottle washer. Yeah, taking yeah. that off my plate has been fantastic for me to focus on our investing, education through the radio show, articles, whatever I'm doing that way. Uh, we're putting together a seminar series. Uh, we're going to be announcing this coming up uh, pretty soon. We're going to be doing seminars in multiple areas. We've got my office in Tacoma. Uh, we have one in North Seattle. We'll probably do the Everett seminars there, the east side. Uh, we've added an office in Salt Lake City and Park City, Utah, and um, we'll be do- doing them there. Uh, we're not stopping there. We're, we're expanding into other states. We're mm-hmm. actually growing uh, that way, too, because what we do, we just feel is so unique. Right. Uh, unique in many different ways, primarily that we fully integrate the investment advisory firm with a CPA firm and can handle everything that way and have access to all the products that other firms don't have, the knowledge around that. So there's a lot of things we do that are different, not to mention the real estate with the Delaware Statutory Trust and all that. I can go on and on about the differences. But we're expanding. We're not contracting. Just because I've been doing this a while does not mean, oh, what's going to happen when you retire? I'm like, don't say that. That's a dirty (laughs) word around here. I don't want to hear that. But I can do this a long time with 
with with the fantastic staff that we have uh, assembled here and the the great training we now have internally and the processes and procedures and everybody's getting on the same page with that. Boy, the the future looks very bright for Madrona. And Brian, at one time you told me you uh, started Madrona Financial partially because you felt that the financial services industry was broken and you're offering a very unique service in that you're combining a CPA firm along with uh, solid investment advice and, and now you're growing the firm even more. Yeah, I still believe the industry is broken in many ways and it's manipulative, it's sales-oriented, all that kind of thing. It, it's, I just don't like that. And so, I mean, I, I sell. I mean, I'm on the radio show to get new clients. That's one of the reasons and primary reason why someone would, would be on the radio to do that. But it's not overtly, hey, you got to invest with us. It's to educate people. And it's my belief, you know, I have a whole different sales philosophy. It's my belief that if you believe that we have solutions that you can't get elsewhere and that we're very competent and we can help you, then you'd want to work with us. If you don't, then that's fine too. We've been very successful with that. That's why we've been on the radio for almost eight years and done almost 400 shows Mm -hmm. is because that has been successful. And so we we certainly are uh, growing and and wanting to get new clients and work with people. And we think what we do is very important and very unique. And so that is, to me, it's also biblical. I mean, Mm -hmm. the story of the talents, uh, you're not supposed to just rest on your laurels. You're supposed to produce. You're supposed to grow. That's how we're we we are as humans and so just because i can retire doesn't mean i should and i'm not going to anytime soon and what we're building is really special unique and and the 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 people we serve and help they're they're so gracious and so just appreciative and grateful and they refer to us and uh, us to their friends and family and that just means the world to us so i think it's it's really important what we do that we do it different if we didn't do it different i'd say yeah i'll just take the check and leave because mm-hmm. I'm not really adding anything to the world. But that that's not, not where we're at, nor is it where we're going. Brian, there have been a lot of technology changes that have happened, advancements since 1999 when you started Madrona Financial. How do you use technology or how has technology changed the way that you do business? Oh, in so many ways, certainly with the trading uh, and rebalancing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of portfolios that, that you know, it used to take forever to do just, just dozens, and now we can do it quicker with technology. Uh, one of the big ways is we have clients in many states, many, many states, and so Zoom meetings is huge. To be able to, to meet with clients wherever I am, wherever they are. Uh, another thing is I used to write quarterly newsletters, and I'd send them out and, and all that. And really, nobody read them because we could track that. We, you know, send them out an email and, okay, 2% of people open it and none of them finished it, you know. But now I can record videos quarterly and it allows people not to have to have a, you know, drive to our office and take time out of their day and, you know, every three months so they can find out what I'm thinking or what we're doing or or all that kind of stuff. Now I can stay up with people and say, oh, this is what's happening during COVID or or whatever. This changes we're going to make. This is what's going on the market i send videos out and people feel like wow i keep having these meetings with brian and i don't even and with you know madrona and i don't even have to drive to the office and, and spend all that time but i can get the information i need so just leveraging our time that way so we can focus on on the things that are important for our clients i could do the technology section for a long time there are so many things that we're using technology for to make uh, our our client experience better well madrona financial's been around for around uh, 23 years and the cpa firm even older than that we've been 
been there, and we're here today, and we have some exciting things planned for tomorrow as well, too. So keep listening here to our radio show, Growing Your Wealth. We'll tell you when those seminars are coming up in the fall and in the winter. Meantime, once again, want to remind you before we go today, go to madronafinancial.com, click on the Get Started button to find out how deep your financial roots are. It's madronafinancial.com, and click on the Get Started button. Maximize your money, maximize your retirement at madronafinancial.com. Brian, out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank our listeners for joining us as well, too. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out. Have a great weekend in this beautiful part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition growing your wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency, and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including assets Asset allocation or diversification guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. DST investments are only available to accredited investors that are offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. 